I am really, really curious. I'm really curious. Why don't you just shout out, what are, who's a famous person? Braxton Miller. Braxton Miller. Archie Griffin. Okay, got two football players, yeah. Who was it? John Glenn. Oh, John Glenn. Okay, Senator, and of course the first. Billy go. Preston. Who was that? Who was that? Billy Who's that? Okay, musician. Okay, singer. Was he a singer? Yes. Singer. Okay. He did. Uh, that's the way God planned it. Okay. There was a bit. By the way, there's a huge difference between the first service and second service. <laughs> uh, we have a singer, a couple football players. You know, uh, the first service was Margaret Thatcher, George Bush Senior. You know, so it was a little di- different. Uh, <laughs> Uh, people here. I don't know what to say about that. Chris Martin, you, uh, the singer, or uh... oh. yeah. Okay. Well, this is interesting. Actually, I was at a family reunion about a month ago, and Sandy has a cousin, and her husband, he uh, coached little league basketball up in Akron area, and uh, this was maybe you know, fifth, sixth graders, and his, guess what player that he coached? LeBron James. I'd like to coach LeBron James as a basketball player. I asked him, did it seem like he was going to be a big star? And you know what he said? No, it didn't seem like it. Uh, this was, he was maybe 10 or 11 years old. But about seven years later, he's playing in the NBA. You know, my goodness, what, what happened? Well, it's interesting, uh, different people that we have interacted with in our lifetime and this is a conversation with, of course, the most famous person of all, and that's uh, Jesus Christ. You know, interesting, this Gospel of John is really a book about conversations. If you think about it, Jesus has a conversation in chapter 3 with Nicodemus, who is a religious leader. He has a conversation with this Samaritan woman, who is somewhat of an outcast in chapter 4. And, you know, throughout the book, there's conversations they have, religious leaders, the crowd, and that's what this is about. Uh, The context here is Jesus has a really long conversation, I'm going to read it in just a little bit, with a crowd that he had fed a few weeks ago. uh, We read about the Jesus feeding the 5,000. Then last week, Jesus walked on water. Well, now the crowd is coming to Jesus, and they interact with him. And I think you're going to really find this to be... uh, a rather interesting section. I think it's going to say something to all of us because, you know, all of us, in one way or another, we are interacting with Jesus. I know this last week, you've interacted with Jesus Christ. And there have been certain things about your interaction, your conversation with him, that I think you might glean some things from uh, what happened between Jesus and the crowd. So let me just go ahead, and we're reading on page 891 in uh, your pew Bible there. And we'll start, it's in verse 25. When they found him, when they found Jesus on the other side of the sea, they said to him, Rabbi, when did you come here? Jesus answered them, Truly, truly, I say to you, you are seeking me not because you saw signs, but because you ate your fill of the loaves. Do not work for the food that perishes, but for the food that endures to eternal life which the Son of Man will give to you, for on him God the Father has set his seal. 
Then they said to him, What must we do to be doing the works of God? Jesus answered them, This is the work of God, that you believe in him whom he has sent. So they said to him, Then what sign do you do that we may see and believe you? What work do you perform? Our fathers ate the manna in the wilderness. As it is written, he gave them bread from heaven to eat. Jesus then said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, it was not Moses who gave you the bread from heaven, but my Father gives you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is he who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. They said to him, Sir, give us this bread always. Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger, and whoever believes in me shall never thirst. But I said to you that you have seen me and yet do not believe. All that the Father gives me will come to me, and whoever comes to me I will never cast out. For I have come down from heaven not to do my own will, but the will of him who sent me. And this is the will of him who sent me, that I should lose nothing of all that he has given me but raise it up on the last day. For this is the will of my Father, that everyone who looks on the Son and believes in him should have eternal life, and I will raise him up on the last day. So the Jews grumbled about him because he said, I am the bread that came down from heaven. They said, Is not this Jesus, the son of Joseph, whose father and mother we know? How does he now say, I have come down from heaven? Jesus answered them, Do not grumble among yourselves. No one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws him, and I will raise him up on the last day. It is written in the prophets, and they will all be taught by God. Everyone who has heard and learned from the Father comes to me. Not that anyone has seen the Father except he who is from God. He has seen the Father. Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever believes has eternal life. I I'm the bread of life. Your fathers ate the manna in the wilderness and they died. This is the bread that comes down from heaven so that one may eat of it and not die. I am the living bread that came down from heaven. If anyone eats of this bread, he will live forever. And the bread that I will give for the life of the world is my flesh. The Jews then disputed among themselves, saying, How can this man give us his flesh to eat? So Jesus said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. Whoever feeds on my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life, and I will raise him up on the last day. For my flesh is true food, and my blood is true drink. Whoever feeds on my flesh and drinks my blood abides in me, and I in him. As the living Father sent me, and I live because of the Father, so whoever feeds on me he also will live because of me. This is the bread that came down from heaven, not like the bread the fathers ate and died. Whoever feeds on this bread will live forever. Father, I want to thank you for your scripture. Thank you. All scripture is inspired by God. It's profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be adequate, equipped for every good work. Thank you, Lord, that in your light we see light. We thank you. We pray you just do a special work at each person's heart here today. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. I want to talk first about what 
the crowd said, and then we're going to talk about what Jesus said. And I've, on this next slide here, you'll see five points that the crowd said. Notice what they say. First thing they said to him is, Jesus, what must we do to be doing the works of God? I think this is a normal thing that we do in our, in our interaction with Jesus. We, you know, what, do you, what am I to do to do the works of God? Um, and uh, we're focused more on our actions, our deeds, uh, uh, what we are to do. And I think this is very, very common. Before we become a Christian, we think that this is what's going to make us pleasing in the sight of God. But even after we're a Christian, uh, we think that this is really what's going to have us in his good graces. And so it's focused more on what we are doing, what we are to do. And it's a very common thing. So that's the first thing they ask. And, of course, Jesus responds, this is the work of God that you believe in him whom he has sent. The second thing they said in verse 30 is, then what sign do you do that we may see and believe you? Not focusing on their works, now they're focusing on his works. Prove yourself, in other words. Uh, Show us that you are really someone that we can trust and believe in. Uh, This last week, a few of us were in the lobby uh, there uh, before the service uh, talking about how can we really know uh, that Jesus is who he really is. And, of course, he gave one sign, and that was the sign of his resurrection. Our feelings come and go, but the one thing that's sure is a fact. Uh, Facts are stubborn things. Jesus indeed did rise from the dead, and that is the sign that he gave to the world. But I know for so many, if you're like me, that's way back when. That's 2,000 years ago. I'm more concerned about the present. I'm concerned about the prayer that I prayed yesterday that wasn't answered today. And so I'm thinking about that. And, you know, God, really show yourself to me. How come things aren't going the way I want them to go? So show us a sign. Show us a sign so that we may believe in you. This is what they say. Very common response. So then he talks about the sign that, well, they actually talk about a sign. They talk about the sign of the Jews in the wilderness and how Moses gave the bread from heaven. And then Jesus responds and he says, well, God wants to give you bread from heaven too. Different kind of bread. And so they respond in this third point, verse 34, sir, give us this bread always. Uh, so, yes, we, we want this. You know, there's so many promises that God gives in his word, doesn't he? He gives us promises, and we want those, and we want those blessings. He promises us life, peace, joy, all those things. And so that becomes the focus. Uh, give us this blessing. Years ago, I heard a little phrase. It was a good phrase that we focus so often on the blessing rather than the blesser. Uh, we focus on the gift rather than the giver. And that's what I think they were doing here as well. They were focusing on this thing to receive. And again, very, very prompt, uh, very common uh, reaction, I think, for people who are in conversation with Jesus. And then in verse 42, after Jesus goes in this long talk about how he's the bread of life, they say, what are you talking about? Uh, Is not this Jesus, the son of Joseph? whose father and mother we know, isn't he just this common person? How does he now say, I have come down from heaven? And I think that can be a very common thing. You know, before I became a Christian, I, I think I saw Jesus as a very holy man, a very, very good man, uh, and somehow special, 
but I don't think I really saw him as great as he really was. And I remember reading through the New Testament the summer before I became a Christian. And I remember reading through it, and it was, I was fine with it. It was all great. But then when I got to this one story about Jesus being worshipped by this one woman who has, she broke this alabaster vial, she was actually worshipping Jesus. I remember I had problems with that. I was, I know that if I had been there that day, I would have questioned, Jesus, you're not being humble here, you know, for you to accept his worship. Of course, I didn't realize at the time that he is God, he is God the Son. He is the Son of God. And, but we can kind of do that today, you know, who is he really, and we have a, it's not that we maybe totally disrespect Jesus, but we don't really, really, in our heart and our soul, have a picture of him the way he uh, really should be deserved, deservedly worshipped and, and honored. And then finally, after he talks about how he's the bread of life, he goes in this long section where he talks about uh, eating his flesh and drinking his blood. And, of course, what he's speaking of is figuratively, it's a way of expressing faith in him and embracing him and abiding in him. And so they're saying, what in the world is this about? They begin picking apart his words. They say, how can this man give us his flesh to eat? And, and again, a questioning spirit that comes. And this happens with us many times as we will read something in the scripture. It says, that doesn't make any sense, you know. And so we become judges of this, what God says, rather than allowing it to judge us. Well, what about this crowd? Uh, uh, how would you describe these statements that they make? Well, I think that they really can be described in one word, and that is unbelief. Uh, they really missed it. They really did. Uh, look at this verse. This is what Jesus says to the crowd in verse 36. He says this, But I said to you that you have seen me, and yet you do not, yet do not believe. You have seen me, and yet you do not yet believe. You know, I think one of the most loving things that Jesus does for us is he focuses in our faith. He focuses in on it. I want you to think about different things that have happened to you this last week. Uh, you, we, we, I'm sure you had some problems, some trials. You know, uh, I got problems, you got problems, all God's children got problems, and we all have problems. Uh, there's things that are going on financially. There's things that are going on in our health. There are things that are going on in our relationships. There's things that are going on that are difficulties. And, and we have these interactions with, with God. I think that Jesus, he always just focuses on this primary thing, and that's our faith. You see this all the way through the Gospels. He, he's always working with the disciples about their faith. It's very interesting, and I, you may have heard me have ever, uh, shared on on parenting, uh, Jesus talked to five, dealt with five different parents in, in the Gospels. You know, study this out. Five different parents who had a child that was either dead or sick or something. And, you know, the only thing he ever talked to the parents about was their faith. He didn't talk to them about, you know, uh, loving their kids, as important as loving their kids is. He didn't talk to them about, you know, making sure they're really sharing God's word with them. That's very important. The only thing he ever really talked about the, with them was their faith. And he does that with us as well. This crowd missed it. Uh, they were talking about their actions, his actions, what he was giving to them. You know, it was, but it was always they missed Jesus Christ. They forgot about him. 
And we do do that a lot, don't we? We forget about Jesus. We forget about God. Uh, Rich was sharing, I think, at the, maybe the second service here, first service, I'm not sure if you mentioned it here uh, this time as well, about, uh, about some uh, movies that are coming out. There's a lot more of a trend about uh, more Christian movies coming out. There's a movie that came out, golly, 70 years ago, something like that, called Sergeant York. How many of you have ever seen the movie Sergeant York? Okay. Okay. We're going to stop the service right now, and we're going to watch Sergeant York. Okay. It's a great, great movie. It's an old, old movie. It's a true story about Alvin York. Alvin York was the most decorated hero in World War I, played by Gary Cooper in this uh, movie. And Sergeant York was a man who was a rabble-rouser. Uh, he was a guy that uh, got saved. He became a Christian, uh, became a strong follower of Christ. And the movie describes what happens with him. He's struck by lightning. It's really interesting what happens. And then he's a very devoted follower of the Lord Jesus and the Scripture. And the war starts in Europe. This is World War I. Well... He decided that he couldn't go to war. He was not going to be uh, killing people in the war. And so he, he tried to get out of it, but they rejected his, uh, his appeals. And so his pastor said, Alvin, you're going to have to go in. You have to go in the army. Alvin says, I, I, I can't do it. He says, well, they're going to come after you. He says, well, I'll just go off in the hills. He lived in Tennessee. I'm just going to go off in the hills. They'll never find me. And he says, well, they'll get some blood pounds after you. They'll find you, Alvin. He says, well, if they get me, I'll tell you, I'll, 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 I'll just. And he's getting real angry. And he stops himself and he says, I'm sorry, Pastor. I, I shouldn't be saying those words. Those are sinful words, Pastor. He stops and says, okay, I'll do it. I'll go. I'll go in the army. And this pastor turns to him and he says, you know, Alvin, just remember this. The Lord will be with you when you're over there. And this one little scene is a scene that Sandy and I quote to one another often in our lives. It's a great little scene. Alvin says, the Lord, his eyes brighten up. You know, he was concerned about going in the army. He said, the Lord, the Lord. He says, I done forgot about the Lord. I ain't never going to forget him again. That's what he says. And we say that to one another. We're talking about this, trying to get this thing done. And we right. The Lord. I forgot. I done forgot about the Lord. I ain't never going to forget him again. That's a great line that we can use with one another. They didn't see him. They really, really missed it. And I think, again, this is one of the most loving things that Jesus does with each of us. We forget to believe in him, in the person of Jesus. So this is the first point that I want to get from what Jesus said to the crowd. He says a lot of things, and I could, we, we don't have time to go over all that he said, but I just want to focus on one verse in particular that Jesus does that I think out of his kindness toward us, he helped build our faith. And it's found in verse 35. These words. This is what Jesus says to the crowd. I think it's the key verse of this whole passage. Jesus says, I am the bread of life. He who comes to me shall not hunger, and whoever believes in me shall never thirst. I'd like you to say that with me, okay? Let's say these words together, okay? I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger, 
and whoever believes in me shall never thirst. Very significant verse, even the way it's stated. Last week, Chris talked about the words I am when they were the disciples, when, they were, when Jesus was walking on the water. This word I am, he talks about I am is here. And the I am harkens back to the Old Testament where uh, God referred to himself, the Lord, as I am that I am. And he wants us just to focus on him as a person. And Jesus says here, I am the bread of life. And it's the first of seven I am verses in the Gospels. Uh, it's, it's actually, they're all in the Gospel of John. That's why the Gospel of John is such a special, special book because it really just focuses certainly on what Jesus did, but in a very unique way, focuses on him as a person. I am the bread of life, where Jesus himself is the focus. A number of weeks ago, I did a little study in uh, the New Testament. You know, if you would take time to read through the New Testament, you start in Matthew, and you go all the way through the book of Revelation, and you just read it out loud, it's interesting what words pop up. You know how long it would take you to read through the New Testament, pulpit rate, they call it? It would take about 1,100 minutes, they estimate, okay? So it's a little, almost 20 hours uh, to uh, read through the New Testament. Well, I went through, and you can do this now, and so many good resources on the Internet, I looked how often the word Jesus appears in the New Testament, or Christ, or Christ Jesus, or Jesus Christ. And do you know how often uh, that word appears, one of those words? About 1,100 times as well, which means that about once per minute, on the average, the word Jesus comes out of the pen, the writing of the, of the, of the, of the writers of the scriptures. And I thought about this, and I thought to myself, if you could take an audio tape of me throughout the week, particularly when I'm going through some tough times, does the word Jesus come out? Does the word Christ Jesus come out? Or Christ? You know, not that it's done by rote or in a mechanical kind of way, but it really just shows what's really on the heart. The point is the New Testament writers, they were focused on him, on this person of Jesus Christ. And we see this in John chapter 1, verse 14, which in many ways I think this verse introduces the entire gospel of John. He says, and the word became flesh, speaking of Jesus, the word, he became a man, and he dwelt among us. And here's what he says, and we have seen his glory, glory as of the only son from the father, full of grace and truth. Earlier this year, I heard someone commenting on this verse, and he highlighted one word in particular, and it was the word there, seen. We have seen his glory. That word seen is a very distinctive word. It's a very unique word. That word was a word that was used by the Greeks to describe the actions that people would take when they go into a theater. In other words, it's the, the kind of seeing where you are just focused on something for a long period of time. You know, when you go into a movie theater... You know, you paid your money there, you go in, you're watching this movie. I mean, for two hours, you're just focused, you know, on what's on the screen. 
That's what's being communicated here. We have focused on his glory. We have seen him. He, he, he just takes up our senses. And that was, was, that was not happening with this crowd. But they were focusing on their deeds. They were focusing on what he was doing. They were focusing on what they thought was wrong with him and all that. They were not taking up with him. He was not the focus. In contrast, I'd like to tell you a story that's been a very meaningful one to me and involves my uh, dear wife. Um, I have been really greatly blessed. Uh, Jesus Christ has saved me, and he's also given me uh, the most wonderful person to be married to in the world, my wife Sandy. And it was about 30, 30, 35 years ago, we had one child, and we were living on campus, and uh, she had gotten pregnant, although we didn't know she was pregnant. It was very early in the pregnancy at the time. And uh, she woke up one morning, and she discovered that she looked like she had a miscarriage, which is a very sad moment, obviously, in, in a couple's life, in a woman's life. And so off we went to the hospital. We went down to Riverside. Uh, we went to the hospital. She went in the back, and, and they got her set up. And they, you know, they uh, looked, her o- looked her over, and yeah, indeed she did have a miscarriage. So as they were preparing for the procedure, uh, she was lying down. And, uh, you know, amidst it all, uh, she really was, you know, focused on the Lord during this time. And the anesthesiologist, who, by the way, was somebody, uh, was the father of somebody in the church, we found out later, he noticed her, and he just noticed that she had this big smile on her face. She was just radiant. And, uh, and so he, he says to her, what put that big smile on your face? I thought she gave the greatest answer. In fact, you know, we talk about sharing our faith in Jesus Christ and uh, giving a testimony. She gave the greatest uh, uh, witnessing testimony I've ever heard in my entire life. He said, Who, what put that big smile on your face? And here's what she said. Jesus Christ, period. (laughs) Not Jesus Christ and this, Jesus Christ and that. It's him, Jesus Christ. I've been going through about 100, I call it 100 days of prayer. I've been asking the Lord to show me uh, some direction for my life, and it's really been a very good time, and one thing the Lord has impressed on me, you know what? (laughs) We have a relationship with Jesus Christ. (laughs) I mean, I mean, Margaret Thatcher, that was wonderful. George Bush and, you know, Archie Griffin, all that. Jesus Christ. Do you realize what we have? We actually have a relationship with the God of all glory. That's who we have. It is unbelievable. This is just absolutely fantastic. Crowd didn't catch that. He was here. The Messiah was right here. I wanted to just close with a little gift to you, a little tip that has uh, meant a lot to me over the years. I appreciate so much of what has been shared so far, what Leslie shared, just how she really experienced the Lord's love and the, and the small group and the life group. I know we experienced the Lord in so many different ways. I want to share with you uh, a way in which I think your faith can really be built in a really wonderful kind of way. Let me just explain to you what happened. Uh, December 11th, 1973, I came into a relationship with Jesus Christ. On December 10th, 1973, uh, a man shared the message of Christ with me 
And I had, again, I, I had read through the New Testament earlier that, that uh, summer. This was now, you know, about five months later. And I was really, really coming close, you know, to really making a decision for Christ and embracing him. But I was hesitant to do so. And he asked me why. And I said, well, I didn't know if I really had enough faith to believe. I didn't really want to make some decision or pray some prayer and then, uh, you know, a year later just be doing something else and not believing. I, wa I wanted it to be genuine. And I didn't have confidence that I would have the faith to continue on. See, I knew myself, I knew I was by nature a doubting person, a critical person, cynical uh, kind of person, and I knew I didn't really have it in me. So I shared this with this man on December 10th. It was a Monday night. Uh, he didn't know what to do with that. He went back and talked to some people. Mike Cater, who came and spoke here earlier, he's a missionary in India. I think he talked to him. He says, well, just have him make a decision for Christ, use the faith that he has, and God will help him the rest of the way. And God does do that. He builds our faith. And so that's what I did. So on December 11th, I made a decision. I put my faith in Christ. And for the last 40 years, he has done that. Jesus Christ is alive. He is he works through life groups. He works through church services. He works through so many different ways in all of our circumstances uh, to build our faith. You know, there has been uh, struggles have had, you know, relational issues. There's been financial. There's been health issues. Sandy had cancer. There's all kinds of things that have come on in our lives over the years. But for those 40 years, I can give testimony that Jesus Christ has been faithful. And not only that, he builds our faith. But there's also one thing that a gift that he gave to me many, many years ago. He prompted me to do something, and this is just something else I think that will help you in building your faith. I want you to see, I mentioned earlier about the seven I am verses. Let's just go ahead and look at these. I have them up on a slide. These are the seven I am verses that are found in the Gospel of John. Jesus said, I am the bread of life. He who comes to me shall not hunger. He who believes in me shall never thirst. John 8, 12, I am the light of the world. He who follows me shall not walk in darkness, but shall have within him the light of life. I am the door. I am the door, he said. If anyone enters through me, he will be saved, and he will go in and out and find pasture. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live, and everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes into the Father but through me. I am the vine. You are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him, he bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. It was probably 1975 or 76. The Lord just led me to take these verses Commit them to memory, to have them with me. Uh, my friend, these are it's the living word of God that speaks to me, speaks to me when I get up in the morning or speaks to me as I'm driving to work, speaks to me in my relationships, speaks to me in my quiet times alone with him. But having this word that is right there uh, invested into my heart where it speaks. And these are very special words, this. Uh, you may have memorized a verse in your life before. Uh, we all have some snippets of verses memorized, but these are very unique ones. The reason these are unique is they focus on Jesus. 
It says in Romans 10, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word about Jesus Christ. I think that's what, what, what that verse is really getting at. In other words, it's, it's verses, faith comes by hearing, hearing words about Jesus. And earlier on in Romans 10, it says this. It says that with a heart man believes, resulting in righteousness. With a mouth he confesses, resulting in victory or salvation. There is something about having a verse, and there's something about quoting it. Because faith comes by hearing. There's something about speaking it and letting it hit into your ears or having someone else speak it into your ears, but there's something really special about you speaking it. And so I took these verses and I committed them to memory. And so when I look back on the last 40 years or so and seeing how Jesus you know, built my faith, I attribute a lot of it to this sort of thing, of having the word in me like this. There have been times in my life where I've wondered, gee, can, do we have enough money to pay the rent? Uh, do we, are we going to have enough money to meet the needs of my kids or my family? Uh, and I remember that Jesus says, I am the bread of life. He who comes to me shall not hunger. He who believes in me shall never thirst. There's times in my life where it's, Things are crazy. Nothing made sense. Up was down and down was up. It didn't, it just, this was not the way I planned it. And I remember, Jesus says, I am the light of the world. He who follows me shall not walk in darkness, but shall have within him the light of life. There's times when I'm really fearful, I'm anxious, I'm wondering, will I be protected Will I be delivered? Uh, it seems like everywhere I look, there's problems. There's something, some, something coming on me. Jesus says, I am the door. If anyone enters through me, he will be saved. He will be saved, and he will go in and out and find pasture, giving the picture of just peace and rest and relaxation, like a sheep just going in and out and find pasture. Sometimes, like with Leslie, wondering, uh, is anybody care for me? Uh, is anybody really concerned for me? Who's going to take care of me? We can be tempted. We're, we're alone. We go through trials in our relationships. Jesus said, I am the good shepherd. I am the good shepherd. He is a good shepherd. Oh, have you ever seen? I know there's all kinds of pastors out there. This is a good pastor, this Jesus I am the good shepherd. I am the good pastor, the good shepherd. How do we know? He lays his life down for the sheep. He did that for us. He laid his life down for us. So I know he's a good one. You know, there's a lot going on today with, with ISIS, just another beheading. Yesterday, you may have seen in the news, it's a scary time, you know. There's scary things going on with the Ebola and, you know, sicknesses and and so we're, people are concerned about their health. Uh, am I going to get sick? Am I going to die? Well, of course, we all know we are going to die one day, but here's what we do know. Remember this. Jesus said, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live, and everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. He has conquered death. I was on the plane one time talking to somebody, and he was telling me about his profession, and and uh, he asked me what I did. He says, I, I basically help people overcome death. 
That's what I do. That's what we do, right? We're helping people. I, heard, I saw it was a Phil Robertson from the Duck Dynasty. I don't know what you think about Phil, but I did appreciate this, what he said. He was talking about, you know, we're concerned about health care. He says, look, uh, we have health care that gives you eternal health care, okay? And it's free. It's free, all right? It's totally free. He is the resurrection and the life. There's times when I'm wondering what, what direction to go. Jesus says, I'm the way. I'm the truth and the life. Pressing into him, and it's amazing when you press into the person, how he gives clarity when you press into him. There's times, many times in my life I've wondered, do I really have what it takes? Am I really adequate? Can I really provide for my, my own life, for my wife, or for my kids, whether it's financially or, or emotionally or spiritually? Do I have what it takes? Can I really be effective in the work that I'm doing? Jesus says this. Remember, I am the vine. You are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him, he bears much fruit. He bears much fruit. He is the one we abide in. So as you can see, these verses, they, they do something for your soul. Having these with you and meditating on these, I'll tell you, it's more precious than millions and millions of dollars because it all comes down to him. I am uh, just one man. Uh, I'm a man with weaknesses, just like you have weaknesses, and I am a man with needs and frailties and sin areas, everything else. But I can say to you this, is that Jesus is who he claimed to be. He is faithful. That man who talked to me 40 years ago and said he will be with you all the way, he will build your faith all the way, he's done it. He really is. So I want to conclude on this verse again. Let me read it. It's a verse that he he says, verse 35, verse 48, he repeats it. He says, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger, and whoever believes in me shall never thirst. Lord, I want to thank you for your word. Thank you for your word. Your word is power, and it is better than thousands of gold and silver pieces. It really is. Thank you, Lord Jesus. We focus on you, just like my wife did that one day 30-some years ago. Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ. Nothing more than that, Lord. You are everything. You are the Alpha and the Omega. You are everything. We thank you, Lord, for your word. In Jesus' name, amen.